Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're going to do our usual Thursday ritual, 10 questions, you know, looking a little bit at week 14, looking a little bit beyond. Sometimes you got to do both in life and particularly in fantasy football. I have a very special guest to help me do so. You all know him already, ESPN, one of the smartest people at the whole freaking company, Mike Clay. Find him on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. Mike, happy week 14, man. Yeah, happy week 14. I can't believe we're to the fantasy playoffs already. Like, it's unbelievable how fast the season's fl- flown by. And I think it's just us kind of, you know, having our, our head in the numbers and working and, and watching the games. And it's just, you know, with everything going on, there's been more work required than ever before, I think. And, uh, you know, that quick, we're to the fantasy playoffs. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy that we have made it to this point, but we are here. So we got to try to take down these playoffs to the best of our ability. Like I said, 10 questions with Mike and we will get started with that. Mike, question one, if you were GM of a new expansion team and you could pick any cornerback to be on your team for the next 10 years, who would it be? And why is it Jalen Ramsey? (laughs) Yeah, look, I mean, as if we, as if uh, we didn't think like, as if he wasn't dominant enough, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, since he's been into the NFL, you now have him playing like a unique role, right? He's not just a perimeter corner, or just a shadow corner anymore. They just play the matchups and use him in different ways. Um, kind of reminds you a little bit of maybe what New England has done uh, during the Bill Belichick era. Certainly the most creative team in terms of cornerback usage in the NFL. And honestly, we, you know, every year it's like, okay, a new, new Patriots assistant coach has gone, uh, to another team and they're going to try and copy what Belichick did and do it the Belichick way. And, uh, you know, oftentimes it doesn't work, but very rarely do them teams or any team copy what they do with cornerback deployment. It's kind of unbelievable. I'm sure it's complicated to, to plan for, but uh, they've done a great job of it. And we're kind of seeing that again with Ramsey, where some weeks he's in the slot, some weeks he's on the tight end, some weeks he's shadowing number one, some weeks he's just bouncing all around the formation. You don't know where he's going to be on a given play. So it just shows you another level of versatility. Um, obviously, you know, to answer your question specifically, yeah, he's 26 years old. I mean, he's the best in the business and he's still, uh, or, you know, in his prime or in the middle of his prime. So I think you'd have a hard time making a case for anyone else when all things are considered. And trust me, there are other candidates, you know, Tredavious White and William Jackson has been terrific this season. And Jair Alexander is what, 23 years old, 24 years old. So there are a lot of candidates, a lot of very good young corners in this NFL. Uh, but I think you're right that Ramsey's the guy. Yeah, Marlon Humphrey is another one I would throw in on that yeah, short list. Sure. But to your point, man, I think the versatility is the, you know, just the fact that puts Ramsey over, over you know, the board is number one. I think maybe the only other guy, and it happens to be Ramsey's teammate, and he doesn't even play cornerback, but Derwin James, man, I just can't get those training camp videos of him, like, locking up Keenan Allen on, like, just, you know, slot coverage mm-hmm. out of my mind. So I know he's a safety for now, but we'll see. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we get a healthy Derwin James 2021 and beyond, truly witnessing two of the more special and versatile players in the league. Have another cornerback. I want to talk about with question number two. So James Bradbury is someone that, you know, Mike, I know you go through every single wide receiver cornerback matchup every week. And you saw in this, you've seen this man from 2016 to 2019 with the Panthers. I don't know if anybody had a tougher yearly schedule, you know, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, going up against Mike Evans, going up against these guys six times a year total, just madness, but he has switched paths. He's now playing very well for the giants starting to get some more national attention. I feel like, but up next, we got David Deandre Hopkins. So, you know, James Bradbury, again, maybe not the best cornerback in the league, but I think we all agree. He's one of the better ones. Ones, even in a tough matchup like this for Hopkins, are you ever adjusting projections for a true top five wide receiver like Hopkins, regardless of the matchup? Uh, a little bit, but generally, and you know, you if you read my column weekly, you'll see this. If it's a, a superstar wide receiver and they have a you know pretty decent uh, tough matchup, I will basically say, look, 
Maybe you want to avoid a DFS cash games. You certainly want to lower expectations a little bit. Maybe if you're trying to break a tie uh, in a tournament lineup, you go a different direction. It could be a variety of different ways to attack it. But the fact is, even in a tough matchup, a superstar wide receiver can still have a huge game. And I tried to, uh, you know, mention that quite a bit. In fact, just uh, last week, a great example of that was Devontae Adams against Darius Slay. You know, look, yes, Darius Slay, it's a good corner. We, I think we can all agree on that. If you watch Darius Lay, you know he's pretty good, but he's been put in tough positions by you know the Eagles defense and at times in Detroit as well. And that can still lead to a pretty big game for wide receivers. And, and he's, he's given up a lot of big games in his, in his NFL career. That one may have been the worst, but certainly he's given up some big games. Uh, and that's the case for Bradbury as well. Same kind of thing. He, at times he has a lot of pressure put on him. Uh, that doesn't mean he's bad. That doesn't mean it's an easy matchup or a matchup that should be ignored. But uh, you know, I will sometimes make little tweaks depending on not only their matchup, but what it means away from them too, right? So in the example this week, the Cardinals playing the Giants, you know, the Giants are a very zone-heavy team, right? Carolina's the only team running more zone, which is uh, obviously a factor here, uh, and that helps protect some of their other uh, weaker corners. But, they're, you know, they're not great away from Isaac Yidem, uh, uh Holmes in the slot, Darnay Holmes, the rookie. I mean, they haven't been near as good as Bradbury or as effective. So you would think Arizona will come in with a game plan to maybe utilize Christian Kirk more, maybe Larry Fitzgerald coming back off the injury. Who knows? Maybe Dan Arnold gets another couple targets, something like that. So uh, they have the other have other options. And yeah, maybe that knocks uh, a, tar- a target off or two off of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But again, at the end of the day, you're starting DeAndre Hopkins, right? It's not that complicated. You're still starting them, uh, even if the expectations are a little bit lower. Never, ever set your studs, people. And yeah, I could not agree more, man. Guys with 110 or more targets this year. Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs, Allen Robinson, and DeAndre Hopkins. Volume beats the matchups, everybody. And yeah, I, I like what you said about Darius Slay, too, because I think sometimes, look, first of all, we should never be calling any NFL player trash or garbage. All these guys are fantastic, right. even if they don't exactly do what we want all the time in you know, fantasy land, you know, should not be using those adjectives to describe guys. But I feel like number one corners that shadow, like Slay, have it particularly, you know, tough sometimes because we see them getting beat by the opponent number one wide receiver but there are you know four or five other cornerbacks on that guy's team that weren't even good enough to be put in a position to even match up the number one wide receiver in the first place so particularly with shadow cornerbacks i think even when they perform a little bit poorly gotta get them the benefit of the doubt a little bit for even being good enough to earn that coverage assignment in the first place all right Mike, this situation has been weird, man. Russell Wilson and the Seahawks haven't been cooking as much lately. And accordingly, we've seen, you know, much more volatile production from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett than we'd like. However, the smash spot of all smash spots might just be on the horizon. The New York Jets, when I was doing my quarterback ranks, like I, every, you know, freaking fiber in me i wanted to move russell wilson outside the top five i can't do it he's my number three qb this week i don't see any scenario how him him metcalf and lock don't get back on track here do you see any way this passing it does not rebound against the jets this week well i think it'll be much more efficient uh who knows though if they're up 14 nothing early at home and just run the ball and you know it's a huge chris carson carlos hyde game and uh they don't put up the huge stats but um, no, look, I, I think they'll be fine. Uh, you know, this is, I feel like every week it was like, okay, this is kind of a tough matchup for DK Metcalf, maybe a little easier for Tyler Lockett. And it hasn't really mattered to Metcalf, right? Even playing some top corners, he is the, uh, you know, number one in the NFL in receiving art. So he's been terrific. Now they get this Jets secondary, which is just uh, a mess. I mean, they're down to, you know, third and fourth stringers, Bryce Hall, the rookie, Lamar Jackson, an undrafted rookie, the other Lamar Jackson, of course. Uh, now they're trying to figure out slot with everyone injured in there with Art Mallette and, and, the, and Goudry, the rookie. So, uh, look, I mean, they since, since those guys that I just mentioned were forced into action, you know, you have – 
Keenan Allen with 145 yards and a touchdown. You have Mike Williams with 72 yards and a touchdown. Devontae Parker with 119 yards. Even Henry Ruggs got that long touchdown at 84 yards. Darren Waller, who a lot of his production last week, he had 200 yards and two touchdowns. More than half of that came against Holland Jackson, right? So he gets a lot of run against corners as well, which makes his production even more impressive uh, than, than it may seem. Uh, you know, they've just been dominated since they've, they've kind of lost uh, their starters, uh, have the Jets. So no question, I think Metcalf and Lockett should be in for pretty good days. Yeah, Metcalf is number one in the NFL in receiving yards right now. We've seen him had th- have three duds with under 50 yards. But in those matchups, he's had five, five, and four targets. Like, the only person that has really been able to stop DK Metcalf is Russell Wilson for not throwing him the ball enough. Like, I feel like, you know, we've seen Patrick Peterson, quote-unquote, get the better of Metcalf. I don't think anybody in the league can hang with Metcalf right now. It's just a matter of him getting those targets. Certainly seems like a spot where they should be willing to do so. How concerned are you with Tyler Lockett's, like, recent dud streak? Like, I understand we might have to move him down kind of more in that high-end wide receiver two range as opposed to wide receiver one range, but he's still someone you're starting confidently even in the fantasy playoffs, right? Yeah, uh, no, I, I'm still starting him. You know, I, I haven't knocked him outside my top 20 this season. Uh, he's down in the teens now after, you know, he had those couple big games and it was hard to take him out of the top 10, but uh, the targets are still okay. You know, he's averaging in that kind of six to eight range most weeks. I'm, uh, you know, there's some chatter that maybe he's not hundred percent right now. And, and that has kind of hurt that offense. And we've seen that before, right? Was that last season or the year before where he had like a month where he did nothing it was and last then year. He healthy, yeah. right. And then he just was awesome down the stretch the rest of the way. So uh, again, I, you know, I, I doubt that you have a better play than Tyler Lockett. If you're stacked at receiver, maybe you do, but most weeks you're, you're going to fire him up. Yeah, 100%. We saw last year in uh, week 13 had that infamous, you know, goose egg did come out down the stretch and have some big games, particularly in that playoff loss against the Packers. All right, question number four. So we've talked about a little bit, but Darius Slay, bit of a punching bag for DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams over the past two weeks. Things don't exactly get much easier with Michael Thomas on deck. So potentially Taysom Hill's toughest matchup yet. I think he's benefited from facing the Falcons and tough Broncos matchup, but they just never really had a chance playing a freaking practice squad wide receiver at quarterback. Michael Thomas, it sounds like Drew Brees is going to be out uh you know for this week but we have seen michael thomas either way put up 100 yard performances two of the past three weeks even with Taysom hill under center so my question you know even knowing that breeze is probably going to be out just how far of a like this how big of a discrepancy i should say do you have with michael thomas in terms of his ranking with Taysom hill versus drew breeze under center yeah i mean i don't know what his target share is going to be when breeze is back but i like to think it'll be in that you know 30 or 35 percent range that we've seen or we saw last season and if that's the case he'll still be a, a wide receiver one but for now i mean he's getting what 50 or 40 40 to 50 percent of the target 70 percent of the air yards as long as that continues he will be uh good to go as a wide receiver one so I, i've kind of ranked him in that vicinity borderline wide receiver one in this matchup I do have this as an advantageous matchup, which is very rare uh, for me when someone's shadowing. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier, Slay's very good, but the Eagles run a man-one scheme. They've been doing this for years. It's why it's part of the reason why their perimeter corners get sliced up constantly. Uh, they just put a, product, a lot of pressure on those guys. And they even admitted as, it admitted as much after the Seahawks game when they said, look, we decided to put Slay on Metcalf one-on-one. Let, you know, let them two go at it. And then otherwise they focus on shutting everyone else down. And guess what? It worked. They did a pretty good job. Uh, you know, Metcalf had a big game. No one else did. They, they really did uh, keep that game pretty close, all things considered. Um, and then we saw the same last week with Devontae Adams against Slay had a, had a huge game as well. So that's my expectation is they'll do the same thing, you know, focus on on the box and slowing down Taysom Hill, not letting him run and taking away the other weapons and uh, putting Slay on Thomas. And that assumes Slay plays, by the way, because he's questionable. So 
Uh, if he plays, it's a good matchup for Thomas, just based on the on the scheme. And uh, if he doesn't play, it's an even better matchup for for Michael Thomas. We'll probably see a lot of Avante Maddox in that scenario. So uh, I will I, I will add one note though, quick to this. Uh, Slay has shadowed Thomas twice in the past. It was back in 2016 and 2017. And Slay got the better of him in both of those games. So he, you know, again, there's some history. Granted, he was in Detroit, different scheme. But he did have his number in both uh, both past uh, meetings between these two. So keep that in mind. Yeah, you made the point earlier. Like, I think a big takeaway with a lot of these tougher shadow matchups, definitely in DFS, like lower expectations. You know, maybe don't be expecting that big boom game we used to see from these guys. Also realize that there's more than enough volume to keep firing off Michael Thomas as a locked-in wide receiver one. I like that call. And man, Darius Slay cannot catch a break because they were doing the they were doing him dirty the same way in Detroit last year, man, where he was it was him, Stephon Gilmore, and Jalen Ramsey, only shadow cornerbacks that would actually move on the outside into the slot with any level of frequency, no safety help ever. Like just leaving the dude out to dry man very very difficult to be you know a number one a cornerback that shadows everywhere over the field gotta give Darius Slate credit even when things don't exactly go his way all right question number five Baker Mayfield and this Browns passing game have been humming and to their credit man like the past two weeks have been good the previous three weeks before that they weren't even that bad it was just one brutal weather matchup after another in Cleveland tentatively I'm knocking on wood right now the weather for Monday night looks manageable but now we got the Ravens blitz happy defense which is you know a step up in competition from the Jaguars and Titans do you expect Baker Mayfield Jarvis Landry maybe even Richard Higgins to get much going against the Ravens here or are we going to see much more of a run first approach like we probably saw during the first two months of the year oh yeah I'm sure they'll do their best to run the football I no no doubt about that um you know Baltimore terrific defense slowing running backs they haven't been quite as dominant against receivers as uh as of late but we know they have the talent there and, and of course uh you know Jimmy Smith missed the last uh he missed last night's game i believe he was out last week as well so that's kind of uh, he's he could be back and very much could help shut down the perimeter but obviously the aside of last week i guess they don't really utilize the perimeter too much since since obj has been down right they've been trying to get it to jarvis landry as much as possible we know that they work uh, the tight ends into the, the offense quite a bit as well so uh, look jarvis landry is a top 30 play for me you know i i don't I think he's kind of back to prime Landry where he gets 30% of the targets and that's going to give him a super high floor in fantasy. So I still like him. Uh, Baker. Uh, I don't think I've ever liked Baker in fantasy ever, like ever, <laughs> even, even when he was you know playing well, he wasn't a good fantasy quarterback as a rookie or he, you know, he was like borderline QB one numbers. And then last year going into or drafts, I didn't like him at all, you know, very much. Uh, and it's just a play, right. Even if he was playing decent ball, you know, he's like Philip Rivers, right? He turns it over quite a bit. Now he's been better in that department this season. Don't get me wrong, but you know, high turnover guy early in his career uh, doesn't add any value with his legs, which we know is super important in fantasy. And in this case, he, he has a very tough matchup against his Ravens defense. So um, not, not even close to a, a, the fantasy radar for me for Baker Mayfield, you know, you're starting Nick Chubb. I don't know about Kareem Hunt anymore. He hasn't been good for two months now in fantasy uh Jarvis Landry's a play otherwise I'm I'm staying away even Austin Hooper's trending the wrong direction so I don't like him either it's Landry that's in the passing game. I'm with you, Baker. We just don't have the volume, man. He is pretty much AFC North Kirk Cousins without the high-end efficiency, more weeks than not, in an offense that wants to run the ball as much as possible. And yeah, this matchup is not going to be easy. Now, I was surprised that the Ravens weren't able to dominate the Cowboys offense a little more on Tuesday night. But I think just if we look at their, you know, overall just kind of a performance this year, this is still a defense we're going to see pressure to quarterback. And with Baker, that's really been his kryptonite all year. When he's kept clean, he has PFF's eighth highest quarterback rating with a 20 to 
three touchdown interception ratio under pressure drops from eighth to 38th and he has a one to four touchdown interception ratio truly when things are going right with baker mayfield he can you know hit his first read put his foot in the ground good things happen when he's forced to act off script starts having you know roll out to his right he doesn't quite athleticism to get away from those rushers that's when problems arise certainly expecting some problems in that passing game come monday night the season is in full swing and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app with so many storylines in both professional and collegiate sports. This is the time to check out all that DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. If you haven't tried the app yet, head to the App Store now because you do not want to miss this, people. To celebrate Sunday's action, DraftKings is ensuring all new users are covered up to $100. That's right, you bet they cover with risk-free Sunday betting. Additionally, this weekend, there is plenty of action to get on, so head to the app now to start making it rain. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code PFF when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Again, DraftKings Sportsbook is ensuring your Sunday bets up to $100. That's right, you bet, and they cover up to $100 when you use promo code PFF during sign-up. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. So, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Risk-free coverage paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Question number six. So the Bills have done a fantastic job, I think, surrounding Josh Allen with talent over the past few seasons. First, they remade their offensive line, brought in Smokey Brown, Cole Beasley, finally Stephon Diggs over this past uh, over this past year. And look, I mean, this passing attack looked downright dangerous in their Week 13 win over the 49ers. Obviously, the Steelers present a much tougher spot, but hey, you know, good offense beats good defense in today's NFL. Are you still going the well with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, even Cole Beasley against this tough Pittsburgh defense? Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, look, Allen, even if he can't throw the ball, he'll run the ball. You know, we, we know how, how good he is, what he can bring to the table. Uh, he may not be perfect, but at this point, and, and this comes from someone who was highly critical of him coming into the league and even during his first year and, you know, part of his second year before he kind of took a big step forward as a passer. Uh, you know, at this point, we're just being picky, you know, picking him apart. Like, oh, look at look at that. You know, I was right. He made a mistake. He, you know, look at that bonehead throw. Like, yeah, you know what? You can pick apart every quarterback. Nobody's nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to uh, make mistakes at times. So he's certainly up there as one of the most effective quarterbacks in the NFL and certainly one of the best in fantasy. So uh, still sticking with him uh, in the passing game. You, you never bench Stefan Diggs. He's one of them guys we talked about. He's, he's too good to bench even in a tough matchup here. So we're going to fire him up. Uh, Cole Beasley. Yeah. I mean, he's been very, very effective this season. Uh, he had a great matchup last week. He was one of my uh, favorite plays in terms of receiver cornerback matchups. And obviously that paid off with that huge game. Um, and it is tougher this week. He's going to see Mike Hilton in the slot. who's a good slot corner, uh, but he's still 32nd on my board. So uh, 10 and 12 team leagues. He's still probably finding a way into your flex at the very least. Uh, Gabriel Davis though. I mean, I know he scored in that last game at any given point, he could find the end zone in this offense, but the volume's not there for me to like him. I mean, five or fewer targets in all but one game this season. Not not a guy I feel great about, but Diggs, Beasley, uh, and, and Allen, yeah, all systems go. 
Yeah, look, a touchdown's a touchdown fantasy land. We'll take them any way they, they can come. But on that Gabriel Davis touchdown, like Richard Sherman thought he saw something kind of bit up on an out route, and there was just nobody left to cover Gabriel Davis. He's made some good plays throughout this year. I'm not hating on him, but, you know, it was what we would call a fluky touchdown. I am with you. I got Josh Allen as my QB7 this week. Look, if you had Deshaun Watson, Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, and Taysom Hill, and I'm throwing up my mouth as I say it too, those are the only guys I want to start over Josh Allen this week. Even though it is a tough matchup, he's gotten us here, and I truly think the way this Bills offense is humming right now, we can uh, go back to what with it. We were talking last week about, you know, these Smokey Brown splits on and off, talking about why we shouldn't be too worried about them because the Josh Allen experience, we see ups and downs, but the ups have been good enough to consistently enable a fantasy QB1, even if the real life version has been a little bit more uh, volatile than most people would prefer. All right, we got four more questions on the horizon, everybody. Number seven, Mike Glennon randomly has the league's highest deep ball rate. He's been chucking the rock around. It's been great to see. Now we get to Titans defense that we just saw have zero answers for Baker Mayfield and company last week. Are you confident enough about this spot in Glennon to trust any of these Jaguars skill position players other than James Robinson? Yeah, uh, I think Glennon in a two quarterback, <clears throat> excuse me, two quarterback leagues, uh, an option. I mean, Tennessee has really struggled against quarterbacks this season and it's not just for the season. It's over the past two months. It's over the past month. Actually, they've been worse over the past month than they have for the full season, third most fantasy points allowed. So uh, they've really struggled on that side of the ball. And I don't think Adore Jackson seems anywhere close to coming back to help out uh, against that struggling perimeter defense. So, um, you know, as things stand, yeah, I mean, you have Glenn in there. As long as he's pushing it downfield, that's great for fantasy. That's what we like to see. Uh, and that means DJ Chark's the starter. You know, he's borderline top 30 play. I like him. Otherwise, though, I mean, I don't think otherwise you feel good about any of these guys anyway, right? LaVisca Chennault, we don't even know if he's going to play left injured last week. Keelan Cole in the slot started out so well, but he's disappeared. We don't like him. And, you know, Colin Johnson, uh, Chris Conley. I mean, you got to be getting into a very deep league <laughs> to have any interest in these guys. Again, even in a, even in a good matchup like this one. So uh, Chark's the guy. Otherwise, I'm not feeling too great. Yeah, I think the bounce back potential for Chark is great in this spot because of those downfield opportunities. I'm not buying Colin Johnson or these guys ever. I have DJ Chark as my wide receiver 33 this week. I do think he's someone that you can play over the Hollywood Browns, over the Juju Smith-Schusters, the Jameson Crowders of the world. We want some upside. And, you know, Chark is someone that gets us those air yards. It's frustrating when he doesn't come down with them, but just realize this guy truly has that, you know, triple digit yard and a touchdown or two in his weekly range of outcomes. Question number eight. So the Vikings are technically in a tough spot against the Buccaneers. Although, you know, we look at this Tampa Bay D, Chiefs, Rams, Saints, they've been exposed a little bit in re recent matchups. They've had a bye to get things together, but we'll see. They continue to do a good job stopping the run, though. So I'm wondering, man, if they can slow down Dalvin Cook because they usually sell out to stop the run, could this actually be a sneaky great spot for Cousins, Jefferson, and Thielen? Because volume might not be the issue. That's usually the problem. And I just don't know if any secondary can slow down this group right now. We know Jefferson and Thielen are great, but credit to Kirk Cousins for really playing some of the best ball of his career, too. I mean, I don't know about you, man. I feel confident going the well with these Vikings guys this week. Yeah, I do too. And like you said, the Bucks have not given us any reason to be afraid of them lately. I mean, look, I think a lot of Carl Davis, he had a streak there for a couple months from the end of last season to the beginning of this season where uh, he was just shutting down everybody he faced, but that has not been the case lately. Uh, Tyree Hill got the better of him in a big way that that historic first quarter was uh, a chunk of that was against <laughs> Carl Davis. You know, Jamel Dean, I think, is a solid young corner, but he's had his ups and downs this season as well. And then you have Murphy Bunting, uh, again, another young corner in the slot. And they, again, they started out so well. But, you know, you look at, let's, I mean, let's just say for the season, ninth most fantasy points allowed to receivers, fourth most to perimeter receivers. That's where, of course, Jefferson and Thielen primarily align. 
you look back at the past two months, they're fourth and second in those categories. And you look back at the past month, they're first. They've allowed the most fantasy points to wide receivers overall and to the perimeter. So uh, it's pretty even on both sides of the ball. It doesn't matter where guys are lining up. They have had the Buccaneers number. And I think you're right. Part of that is certainly that teams can't run. They have to throw the ball and they're attacking these guys. And even if they're effective, that volume adds up. So uh, I, I'm with you. I'm not really afraid of, uh, you know, firing up Thielen and Jefferson here in the fantasy playoffs. Elon PF has number two highest grade receiver behind Devontae Adams. Justin Jefferson, number three this year. Both these guys are being playing absolutely fantastic. Real quick, let's say we're doing a DFS game stack here and we decide to go, you know, Cousins, Jefferson, Thielen. What Tampa Bay wide receiver are you most comfortable rolling back around with? Is it, is it still Mike Evans just with all those red zone looks? Uh, yeah, I think Evans would be, oh man, Evans is it's tough very Godwin. I've Godwin just ahead. Okay. Um, you know, I, I would, I've, I'm just looking at my board right now. I've Godwin 19th, Evans 21st, uh, Brown, who very well, you know, could, could go off at any given point. He had a, he had a big volume stretch there and then it kind of disappeared in his last game, but you know, he's 36 on my board. So all three guys I think are viable fantasy starters. Um, you know, it really comes down to how your lineup fills out. If which of those guys you can afford, I think most people would prop will probably be on Evans at 6,600 Godwin 63. So he's close, but you know, Brown, if you need to save a few bucks, I mean, he's a lot cheaper at 5,500. I don't think that's a terrible value by any means, but uh, just straight up picking one guy, price aside, uh, I would give a tiny, tiny edge to Chris Godwin. Buccaneers got Vikings, Falcons, Lions, and Falcons going to playoffs. We could see this passing game getting hot at the right time. Question number nine. So T.Y. Hilton back-to-back saw games after giving fantasy football managers basically nothing in weeks one to 11. Up next is another winnable matchup against the Raiders. Are you comfortable treating Hilton as a legit recommended start, or is this offense still just too muddled to feel good about really anybody involved in the passing game? Uh, look, I, I like Michael Pittman more. I think he, and the snap counts follow this as does the production for the most part over the past month or so. I think Pittman's the one there still, right? So he's 46 on my board this week against the Raiders. Uh, again, they've been spreading targets out. So nobody really jumps out from this group. Uh, but he'd be the preferred play. Look, T.Y. Hilton, back-to-back great games. They were against Tennessee and Houston, two teams struggling against wide receivers. So it's not a total shock. But there's only two weekly finishes better than wide receiver 28 this season, right? He's been 50th or worse in eight of 11 games this season, which is hard to believe that his floor is that low. Uh, he's been under six targets in all eight of those games. So, uh, and, and the snaps too. Again, it's Pittman and Pascal are the one and two. Hilton is running as the th- third wide receiver right now. Uh, you know, it is a pretty good matchup. The Raiders allow a ton to wide receivers for sure, especially over their past, you know, over the past two months. Um, so that gives him an opportunity for a big game, but man, as you know, wide receiver is so, so deep right now. I just think you probably have better options for your starting lineup. Yeah. Since their week seven by Michael Pittman, 32 targets, nine Hines, 30 T Y Hilton, 28 Zach Pascal, 26. Nobody had, you know, okay. I'm with you Pittman. I have, I rank as number one wide receiver here as well, but I think the main point to all this is that yeah, Pittman might be a number one, but he's still not even necessarily a top 40 option at the position yeah. as a whole, just far too spread out in this offense to feel good about anyone. All right, so like, would you play Pittman or Hilton over say Nelson Aguilar, who we know has a similar floor, but maybe a little bit higher ceiling. Um, I have, uh, yeah, I, I, it's funny you ask that cause I have them back to back. Um, <laughs> I, I would lean toward Pittman. I just think he's the more talented player and the matchup's better, honestly. I mean, the Colts, uh, you know, they, we've seen some cracks in that defense, especially against the run recently, but they're still pretty good against wide receivers. You know, Xavier Rhodes has been terrific on the outside. The other side, 
they're having some issues uh, with Rocky Sin. I, I don't know if he's going to be a full-time player anymore, but um, it's still a better pass defense than what the Raiders have brought to the table. So uh, that would be enough for me to lean toward uh, that side of the game. Go with Pittman. Man, I kept waiting for Xavier Rhodes to come back to earth because he was one of PFF's just like top three cornerbacks for the first couple months of the year. He has to some extent, but man, what a bounce back year for this guy. Seemingly couldn't guard anybody in Minnesota in 2019, reinvents himself. And yeah, to your point, this Colts defense, particularly when they have both DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard healthy as they do now, a problem for most offenses around the league to deal with. Final question. Thank you, Mike Clay, as always, for, uh, you know, giving me the time. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, seemingly cemented as the 49ers' top two wide receivers for the foreseeable future. Who would you rather have in your fantasy squad strictly in 2021, though? Oh, man, I hate this question because I, I <laughs> like them both. Uh, Debo's been awesome, and they're manufacturing touches, and he's going to be so fun for a long time in this Kyle Shanahan offense. Uh, and, you know, Ayuk was one of my favorite players in this year's draft. You know, I loved him as a prospect. I thought he was uh, undervalued there for a while, ended up going the first round anyway. So obviously the NFL teams uh, saw the value there. Terrific route runner. The volume's been there. In fact, I spent some time kind of battling with how to distribute targets now, right? Because they, you know, they still try to get Kendrick Bourne, in, you know, involved and they're still getting all the tight ends involved, right? Reed and Dwelly and, and Warner. And then obviously you have a run heavy offense where they're feeding the running backs and the running back targets have been down a little bit as of late. Those will uh, fix themselves. Kyle use check. So uh, more mouse th- to feed than you probably think just because they, you know, they just have a habit of getting Kendrick Bourne his, you know, four or five targets. It's just what they do. Um, but I still, it's still enough there that both of them, I think are weekly starters right now. I'd have a hard time benching either guy just at the, the volume they've seen. Uh, this offense is scoring more than I think we expected with uh, Nick Mullins in there, and they could get Jimmy Garoppolo back too as well. Uh, and, you know, the key, I think, really is the manufacture touches, right? Them little pitches to Devo Samuel will get you one point, even if he gets tackled at the line of scrimmage. So uh, that helps as well. Um, so I like both guys short term and, and again, long term. I want both of them on my, on my roster if I can get them. I would probably have to lean. I, Oh man, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a great answer because I feel like Samuel's done more so far. We've seen it, right? We've seen that long-term uh, starting fantasy production go tracing back to the last year. But on the other hand, Brandon Ayuk uh, has a little bit more pe- draft pedigree and he's over two years younger. So uh, if I had to pick, I might lean toward Ayuk just because of that in Dynasty. Yeah, in my notes, I have Lean Ayuk as well, but it is so close. Either one of these guys, if we see a big disparity in just their average draft position, it's just going to be take the value because it you is it. that close. Debo Samuel leads all wide receivers in total broken tackles over the past two years. And yeah, man, like they just designed these touches where he has 401 yards after the catch this year, 391 actual receiving yards. So he literally has more yards after the catch than he does real receiving yards. And you know what? It doesn't really matter in fantasy land if he's being used like a running back. That's almost better because you know those types of touches can't exactly be schemed away from facing a good defense mike that's gonna do it man thank you for the time dude this has been a great uh week 14 preview uh anything you gotta you know on the horizon over there at espn you want to pitch uh just you know same old stretch run stuff here right receiver cornerback the fantasy 32 where uh you know we actually adjusted that if you've read that in the past we are dropping that during the games on sunday so you can get kind of live snap information i know people are always kind of uh you know, out there not chomping at the bit for snap information. So I'm kind of writing that up, you know, as the games are wrapping up and posting that. So you can check that out at, uh, at ESPN plus and, uh, you know, same old great ranks projections, you know, following the matchups, doing the DFS pod, all that kind of fun stuff. So, um, it's going to be fun another month ago of, uh, the regular season. Then we'll be talking some playoffs. 
Awesome stuff, man. Everyone make sure you follow Mike on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. What was that? What you had one of my favorite stats of the season, the Sterling Shepard, like the last game he hasn't had six targets, what like October 2018 or something absurd. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's been it's been something like that. It's like 2020. 20, I'm trying to trying to pull it up here as I'm yeah. talking, but it's been like 22 straight games with uh at least uh six targets. So it's been it's been crazy how much they've used him and it's given him a high floor. He was dropped in a lot of leagues this year which is crazy um, when he, when he was injured. And I didn't really understand that, especially in PPR formats because of the floor uh, that he brings you. But yeah, he's at his uh, streak is 23 straight games with at least six targets, uh, excluding week two, of course, when he left injured, but even in that game, he had four targets on 15 snaps when he left hurt. So he was well on his way, but uh, yeah, they love him in that giants offense. Even then that is wild. Always fun tidbits like that from Mike. And also just the awesome projections throughout the off season, truly one of the best grinders in the industry. That's going to do it. Everybody. Thank you as always for listening to PFF fantasy football podcast. He's Mike Clay. I'm Ian Hardis. We bring you new episodes here every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thank you for tuning in. And until next time, take care, everybody. Thank you.